grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. For those of you new to the show, I'll tell you what it's all about. One of my favorite things to do in my past life was to hang out with friends, get fucked up, uh, just talk about life, dreams, goals, share crazy stories, basically be an awesome drinking buddy. And I am now five or excuse me, 958 days clean and sober, hence the X in the title. But I still love the conversation that comes with being a drinking buddy. And that is, in essence, the podcast. That's what it's all about. Every once in a while, I will do a solo show, but normally I will be joined by a guest. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by comedian KP Burke. What's going on, man? Hell yeah, buddy. 900 something days? So 958, yeah. Good on you, man. Airs. Holy hell. I took 11 months off. I think that's the longest I ever went. Without. The first time I got sober, I was two weeks away from my one-year chip, and I was like, I overreacted. Like, I'm good. <laughs> and it took me five years to get three. <laughs> Damn, dude. No, I yeah. said it as I walked in, too, man. I'm a little hungover today. You know, I don't I don't think you should miss that part of it. No, ever. not that's, at all. Yeah, man. Your life just gets better without it. I think that's... It does. And then you have those shitty days at work, and you're like, you know what I could really use right now? A drink. Yeah. I've come to the conclusion that beer is your friend, uh, yeah. but wine and uh, and hard liquor, I'm, I'll never touch that again. See, I'm the opposite. I never drank wine or beer. I was only a liquor drinker. Oof, man. Yeah, I, I just can't do the beer. Like, I would get too full before I'd feel, like, really nice and loose. That's where I want to be. Like, my thing was Guinness. Uh, yeah. Was, you, you couldn't get too fucked up on Guinness. Like, you weren't calling out of work the next day. Yeah. Like, then... Unfortunately, because we're down here in Florida where you guys are able to buy, you know, gas station beer. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I don't have that up in Jersey. You guys can't do that in Jersey? No, it's not in Jersey. If I want to go to a liquor store, I, I'm sorry, if I want to drink anything, I have to go to a liquor store, essentially. Okay. Yeah, it's not even like, uh, like you can't get anything like ShopRite or anything like that either. You pretty much have to go to a Bottle King or a Gary's. That's Really? Yeah, I have three, uh, I have three liquor stores in Wayne. New Jersey, where I'm from, yeah. That I have to alternate which days I go to. <laughs> I don't want them knowing my schedule. But see, that was the thing was I was always so like I thought it was flattering when I'd come in and they'd be like, "Brennan, what's going on? <laughs> A little early today, huh?" And I'd be like, "Yeah." That's but... when you know you're doing good too, man, because it was uh, it's an Indian family that owns the one, the, yeah, the, the, the what we call the the shitty uh, liquor store, right? But those guys were like, uh, they would if, if you were like short on money or something like that. These guys are like all of a sudden giving you a discount on something. Like, oh, come on, you'll be in here tomorrow. And I was like, yeah. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, this isn't, that's not healthy, man. Well, we hear stories. Um, uh, I can't tell you where it is because it's anonymous, but we hear stories in there all the time about, uh, like, they would, people would take their paychecks and they would, like, literally the, the bar or the liquor store would just hold the check oh, because man. they're like, you're not going anywhere. Like, we, we know where you're at. Got our claws dug in deep. Yeah, it, that's and that's where I'm like, oh man, that's that's rough. Well, quarantine was shitty that way too, because a quarantine was. This is what wound up happening was, uh, the liquor stores stayed open, and yeah, like that. But the two nice ones weren't allowing people in there. So if you wanted to get something from them, you either had to order it and have it like pulled for you, and then you do curbside pickup, or you could go to the shitty liquor store and walk in with like a mask on. That's pretty much all you yeah. needed. But it was uh, it was weird. So I put in an order at the one place. And they were like, oh, they were slammed. Like it was a two or three day wait to get beer. And stuff wow. Like that. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and 
I was like, oh, they're not going to be ready in time, you know, so I'm going to go to the shitty liquor store and go get, you know, some wine or I think I was, I was doing a lot of vodka back then. Yeah. But uh, I say back then, it was the start of quarantine. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, so then the one day, it was 20 on 20. <laughs> pretty much, man. But it was, uh, then I, I gave it up for the rest of uh, quarantine. I wasn't really drinking. Now I'm back here. I can do beers and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a shit feeling to know that uh, when the liquor store tells you, oh, your order's ready. And then you already have like a, a car full of booze. Yeah. So it was like, it was pretty much, I was doing like intermittent fasting, but with, with <laughs> but with alcohol. It was yeah. bad, man. 16 no, hours on. Yeah. I, um, see, that was my problem was I didn't do the off part. Oof. So like, and I've talked about it before on this podcast, but I, uh, I would like, I normally would get a, towards the end, it was a handle of vodka and that would normally last me about 36 hours. Um, <laughs> And so I would, I'd go after work, I'd get a pack of cigarettes and a handle of vodka. And I, this is when I worked at a breakfast place. So then I would start at like four in the afternoon and go until like 10 o'clock at night. And then that's dangerous. That would pass out and then wake up in the morning around five, do a couple shots to kind of steady myself, drive into work, um, you know, halfway through the shift, go out to my car, get that warm trunk vodka. Oh, there you go, dude. And That's... then smoke a cigarette in the middle of the shift. Like, and I work, you know, restaurants. So it's like, like people are like, like, where'd Brennan go? And then I come back in and be like, Hey, it is an guys. intense industry, man. There's yeah. some broken people working. Oh yeah. That's why, you know, back doing comedy. But before we get too far, plug everything you want to plug, um, up front. Sure, man. Well, I got Dates, the show, uh, shows. I got American Loser. That's the podcast I do with my dad. Cause that's when you know you made it in comedy when you're doing a podcast <laughs> with your dad. But uh, no, that one's a fun one. I know you know a little bit about it, but yeah. anybody who's listening that doesn't know, it's uh, weird stories from American history yep. that uh, me and the old man like to sit down and uh, shoot the shit over. But yeah. it's pretty fun, man. That's the only thing I got that's going. I'm on do you Patreon. Guys do, do you guys do, like for the premise of the show, because I've seen a couple clips about it and stuff like that, but for everyone listening, do you guys do like a lot of research into everything or do you have a background in history? Yeah, like, well, I, growing up, I just always really liked history. Yeah. And then uh, that's me and the old man kind of bonded over that. That okay. was our thing. So like every vacation would be a battlefield or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But um, yeah, if I could do, if I could redo it, I would uh, I would say that maybe I don't want to have a podcast where I have to do like four hours of research. I was going to gonna say, because like <laughs> I have a sports podcast and even that, like researching for the games and stuff, I'm like, this is a lot. And then mm. you guys actually go in depth on like, obscure topic so i'm like jesus christ like they're yeah. probably we fucked up on a couple man we did uh for our patreon we give like an exclusive listen okay you know, that yeah. kind of a thing so what's the patreon is it just american loser yeah it's american loser patreon so people just uh they want to donate to help me cover costs on the show because okay. again i can't do all the shit you have set up here man i don't know how to do any of that i have to pay somebody to do it for me but uh we screwed up we said uh for our exclusive thing like oh we're gonna look into the war of 1812 yeah right and i thought that would be it i think it was it wound up being at least eight hours of research to fully understand. I had to watch like documentaries and shit. Yeah. I definitely bit off more than I could chew on that one. That was yeah. a mistake. That one is the war. 1812 is pretty. That was my uh, minor was American history. So that's oh, no why. Shit. Yeah. That's why when Buck first told me about your podcast, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, that's a great idea. And then that's when I was like, well, wait a second. Like some of those topics that I see come across, I'm like, what? Like, how do you even figure, like find this stuff? Like, <laughs> Like, well, find this stuff out. <laughs> but, yeah. and the premise is it's like the losers, right? Correct. That's yeah. It was going to, originally it was going to be a book. I wanted to write it as a book, but it was going to be profiles of everybody who ran for president and lost. Yeah. That's see, that's so, so great. That's fun because it's like, you never think about those people. People forget again. too. There's like, Oh shit, that guy did run for president. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, even like recency, like, 
you know, you, people, you can't name some of the people like past 2000, you know, 2000 that ran and lost. Like a lot of people are like, I have no fucking idea. Exactly. And then there's other ones too, where it's like, uh, it'll be a big name from something. Cause uh, I mean, obviously Teddy Roosevelt, if you're an American history fan yeah. at all, and, you know, that guy's blueprint is all over everything. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting that, uh, some of the weird shit he got into and then the fallout from that. And also when you scroll down the list and you just see how many people, uh, ran and then never won or, or how many times they would continue to keep running. Yeah. So I don't think we've really seen, uh, I mean, you have one or two people, you know, trying to be recurring characters in the presidency, but, um, I never knew who Adley Stevenson was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, holy shit, that guy's dad ran and he lost too, man. That, that's multiple generations of losing. <laughs> I think that the son too, cause there's three of them. There was a weird fact where, um, that guy was going to run. And if he had run, he would have been up against Reagan. Oh, so, really? So it would have been three generations of Losers. running for president and losing. So that's that's fun, man. Do you have um? You said you do have uh, shows coming up here in Jacksonville. I do, man. I'm doing. Uh, actually, you're on that one with me, buddy. We got Veterans Brewing on uh, Friday. What whatever day that's going to be? That's Veterans or Hyperion? I've got a vet- oh shit, I can't even remember. I'm not doing Hyperion. I know I'm doing Veterans Brewing. Okay, Veterans is Saturday then. Damn it! Yeah, good old Brian Thomas. Yeah, so. Saturday the 16th. That'll be a fun show. Looking forward to it, man. It was a good time last time. Also, last time I was there, though, I wasn't drinking, so now I can actually figure out if their beer's any good or not. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's true. That's one of the weird things about, and I know Baker has a joke about that, but like going in, because we do a lot of these shows in bars, and like going in to like just hang out like with the comics and watch the show, I always feel like, because I work in the service industry, I always feel like a dick when I'm like, no, I'm good, man, just a water. And that's like, why yeah. uh, I'm like, yep, just a water. That's why so many places have a bad idea of comedy. We're like, oh, we've tried comedy. It doesn't work. It's like, now, did you guys have a show or did you just have an open mic that all the comics you know, don't drink at? Yeah. yeah. The vagabond comedians all go to hang out with. Well, that was another thing, too, is we had there was um, I won't name the venue or the people, but there was an open mic and I had invited a person that I know who was dabbling in comedy, like did a couple of shows, like little almost like talent show kind of things and, you know, was like into it. And was like kind of, you know, hyping him, you know, saying, yeah, I do comedy, I do comedy. And I started a Facebook fan page, didn't they? (laughs) And I have, you know, I've been doing comedy since 2009, kind of on and off, but mainly on. And I kind of felt some sort of way about like, you know, we run in the same circles and it's like, oh, yeah, you do comedy like Brennan. And I was like, "Mm, no, not the same. Like it does get uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Yeah, And so I was like, hey, come out to this show. You know, it'll be an open mic. It'll be just a random show. Like, come out and try it in front of, like, other comedians and, every, and like, network and meet people. Like, I did it. Some of me was a little bit of a, like, kind of like, oh, I, I wonder if this material will play in front of, like, a, a normal audience and stuff. Anyway, he brought a bunch of people. None of them, none of them drank. And none of the comics drank. So we're at this like brewery <sighs> bar thing. And so, and they know most of the comics don't drink because that was what we had told them when we started the mic. But we were like, oh, but we'll bring people and those people will drink. Well, then the, at this particular show, we brought, he, he brought like 10 people. None of them drank. So the whole crowd is not drinking at this bar. And the owner lost his mind. <laughs> Uh, almost justifiably. Yeah, I get that. He's Packed like, house, I'm not making any money. Ain't none. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, maybe maybe we should not invite. Uh, my buddy had one in Jersey over in West Orange, and it was at a pizza place. Yeah. It was a, but it was like a sit-down Italian restaurant kind of a deal. But um, they made a terrible mistake one night. Because I'll say this, I did six years in the military, and I've met more psychopaths in comedy than I did from six years <laughs> of, of the Navy. But um, it was a trippy thing to... 
They made the huge mistake. This was the thing they did at the very end of one of the shows, like at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night or something. They took the leftover pizza and just started giving it out to people. Like, oh, who wants pizza to take home? Kind of yeah. thing. And that turned into then every Tuesday was just more like like vultures. The comedians just hanging out waiting like, oh, I'm getting free garlic knots here in a minute, man. Yeah. So then you're like, oh, so that you're not going to, you know, you're going to drink while you're here. Uh, you're not going to pay for anything while you're and then you're going to wait for free food at the end of the night. God. And then we couldn't figure out why that room closed down. That was weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's some of the psychos you meet is astounding in comedy. It's impressive. It only gets better too. That's yeah. my favorite part. <laughs> when did you, when did you start, when did you start doing comedy? Have you always been like into it or? I was always a fan of comedy, but it was, uh, I want to say it was 2011. Okay. Um, I had, uh, I'd just gotten back from Dubai Right, I was living in Dubai for a little while with the mill. I was deployed over there, I should say. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say. Wait a second. When yeah. you say living, it's like. Well, it's weird because it's such a weird thing to call it a, a deployment over there because you're just chilling in a hotel room the entire time. Oh, really? Yeah, and Dubai was interesting. I mean, I. Yeah, because that's Dubai. You're not in Cabal. Like that's different. Yeah. So I mean, we were doing armed security and stuff like that over there, but it was also like a, I think we were doing four on, two off, which okay. was the schedule for days and stuff. So then you know, like two days, you're just hanging out. And first of all, that's a jarring thing to see in the first place. Is a uh, Muslim man in full Islamic garb uh, going down an indoor ski slope in a mall. <laughs> so that was pretty cool to see. But Yeah, it's yeah. like the only seven-star hotel in the world is in Dubai. Makes sense to me, man. Yeah. I used to drive past the Burj Khalifa. I think I was there like right after Tom Cruise had just filmed uh, whatever the ridiculous thing for Mission Impossible was out yeah. there. So that was like the time frame. But when I got back, the girl I was dating at the time for a Christmas gift had gotten me uh, the Comedy Zone workshop. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so uh, that was the first time I was ever on stage was here in Jacksonville at the Comedy Zone. And then uh, immediately right after my, you know, you remember like the first time you were on stage, oh, probably yeah. scared the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah. My knees were like buckling underneath me the entire time. And then I sit down, I had one good joke that worked. And then um, I sat down afterwards and I'm like in that state of shock or whatever. And then Chris Buck is sitting there just coming over and talking to me and trying to break down what I just did. Like, dude, it's like you're trying to... He showed up with the speed of like a lawyer, an ambulance chasing lawyer after a car crash. <laughs> like you're gonna sue, right? You know, we're gonna talk about that. But that was a that was a scary moment, man. But as soon as I got hooked into that, then I, you know, you start going around to the other shows around yeah. here. So I would say I was probably doing it, uh, hanging with the the old crew, probably like two, three nights a week. Okay, that was. But you know, that's why I'm envious of what you guys got going on, Jacks. Now there's actually shit to do down here. Yeah, we've got. Yeah, it's it's the scene's kind of. Blown up, and that's all thanks to Buck and Christina and uh, Ziola and Crespo and all them. They um, Crespo's the best, though, man. Yeah, we love that guy. He's been on the show uh, twice. He's got two episodes. But he um, – and Buck was a real big thing, too, because Buck – you know, serious Buck takes it, which is something yeah. I really appreciate about him. Because there's a lot of times we'll do shows, and, like, it's a mic. So, like, guys are going up drunk. They don't have anything to say. They literally get on stage, and they're like, I don't even know what to talk about. And I'm looking at Crespo, like, I'm going to fucking murder this person. Like, yeah, you're wasting everyone's time. Yeah, exactly. And Buck takes it real serious. So he's very much about, like, if he puts on a show, it's like, we're doing this the right way, or we're not going to do it at all. Which is, you know, good in some ways, but then it's also, like... You might want to get that autism looked at, man. Like, yeah, on. I also I want him to have fun sometimes. He never know? has fun. No, it's when I've been doing Rain Dog since 2013, and every time we, you know, you show up. Um, obviously, we're not doing it anymore because of the pandemic. But you'd show up, and he's in the back, you know, turning knobs and checking mics and doing everything. It's like, what's up, Buck? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, all yeah, right. Walk man. up very, very slowly next to him. You can't, you know, don't approach him from the side. Make yeah. sure you can see him. 
Absolutely. Nah, he's great though, man. That guy helped me out a lot, man. That was my favorite thing to start comedy down here. Yeah. When there was nothing, so you get all your bad habits out of the way. I mean, you get like every every shitty lame thing. I remember this was a hundred percent true. There was an Ethiopian uh, place that was doing um, comedy. I right. I think I remember that Queen of Sheba or something like that. I think it was. I can't remember the deal, but it was. uh, At the time, I had a joke that I was doing where it was a song parody. Okay. And it was uh, Enrique Iglesias' hero, but the joke was about like uh, telling my girl she's my hero because uh, she knows not to talk during football. Okay. And that was the whole, it was a very stupid, super, you know, lame kind of a thing. And I was doing the the song, you know, so I'm singing up on stage or whatever, which I never thought I would do. And then uh, I remember getting a huge laugh off of it, sitting down next to Buck right afterwards. And, uh, you know, you kind of look to him like, cause, you know, he's still the same way, but you're looking for feedback. From yeah, him absolutely. And, uh, and I was like, well, what'd you think, man? And he just goes, hack. <laughs> and uh, to his credit, I never did that again. So yeah. got rid of that. I thought it was going to be an impressions guy. Buck's like, no, nope, it's not you, dude. Yep, it's I, not you. I first, when I first realized that I could hold people's attention, it was when I was much younger and it was through impressions. Nice. Because I could I could listen to something and like I'm sure most people you can listen to something and then I could like manipulate my voice to say it back the way I heard it. And so, you know, musicians can hear a song and they're like, oh, yeah, just play it like this. And I could do that with voice, like mimic my voice. So ever since I was a kid, my dad would have a couple of drinks during the holidays and he would be like, you know, kicking the chair like do do Pacino, do it, do it, do Pacino. And I was like, oh, I can actually like maintain like um people's attention doing this and so i thought for the longest time i'd be doing impressions and then everybody listening goes i'm super pretentious now about comedy just with everything I've, i i'm the fucking worst dude like i have a buddy at work who sometimes will bounce in he's been on the show matt anderson he owns eraser records where we do uh we used to do shows before the lockdown nice yeah He's been on the show and he's a musician, really hilarious guy, but he just doesn't do comedy. He does music. So he'll come to me sometimes at work and be like, hey, man, I was thinking about a premise. And he'll like literally say the premise. He'll be like, so like when you're at the gym and I'm like, nope, not doing it. Low hanging fruit. Not going to do it. And he's like, you didn't even hear, which is a huge problem that I have because sometimes those things can be very funny. But like in my brain, I'm like, no, it all has to be like dark and torturous. And it's like, well, that doesn't fucking work like ever that that one's weird because then um you can have uh like a show where it's you want diversity of uh material yeah so, like that's why you know you get crespo up there doing you know crazy stuff high energy everything and then so you try to figure out what what are you going to contribute that's kind of the, the thing yeah. we're always trying to figure out with that but uh look old billy barnwell's calling me jerk that's it. <laughs> i'm on a podcast right now bill i can't talk shout out billy that's barnwell <laughs> he was chaos too because he used to show up with the guitar and everything i mean yeah was, we had a weird crew that we were running with down here because it was uh nobody was doing the same exact thing yeah so that was what uh it, it made it a lot of fun man that was and also like i said you get all of the bad behavior and bad habits out of your way where no one can see you so when i moved up to, you know back home to new jersey and i was looking to do comedy I already had at least, you know, I knew what I was doing. I could, yeah. I could work my way around a room a little bit. So, well, and that's the, one of the great things. And I give Buck all the credit in the world for this because he's the one. Like I talk to everybody else, and we always end up talking comedy because that's a lot of times what we do. But Buck's the one who will give you genuine feedback about a joke that mm-hmm. he, in his heart, thinks like, "No, this is how you should do it," or like, but he won't even say it like that. He'll be like, "Well, what do you think you should be saying?" Like, I had a joke about orange juice, about how a lady tried to get me fired over orange juice. Bitch. 
Well, and it was because I just didn't hear her ask for the orange juice. And I thought, and so the whole bit is like, she goes up to my manager after I think she's giving me a compliment because everything went so well. And then my manager comes up to me and she's like, no, she called you a racist and a bigot. And then you purposely didn't bring her her orange juice because she was black. And I was like, so I do this whole story on stage and I'm acting it out and everything. And that one didn't play, obviously, because it was very convoluted and I didn't know what it was. But I'll know, like, Buck came up to me. He goes, hey, man, if you ever want to come by the house and work on that orange juice bit, like, I think you got something there. And I was like, out of everything I did on stage, like, that's that's what you, like, the one thing that, oh, I mean, I'm sure I did a lot of stuff that bombed, but that one was just real dilapidated because I just, like, that story had just happened. So I wanted to share it. And I thought, oh, this is funny that a lady's trying to get me fired over orange juice. And so I shared it. And then he was, yeah, he was right there, though, like. He can fix them. The first time I actually got him to really laugh, like from when I, because again, we were teasing about the guy. He looks like he's not having fun ever yeah. when he's doing comedy. Uh, but we were at North Star Substation. and uh, Which has been brought up on this show before, believe it or not. I uh, believe it, dude. That was, uh, I, we had some interesting nights over there. But it was, uh, I was on stage and the thing I was trying to riff out turned into one of my best bits ever. And it was because he helped me fix it. Just, okay. So, um, but it was, that was, you know, a classic Chris Buck story. He's sitting there like looking down, going through his papers or something like that. And then I just happened to say the one part of the line that delivered the joke. The joke was that, um, uh, like the kid who bullied me in high school, he died, uh, his junior year of a heroin overdose. Yeah. And so my whole, the bit I was doing at the time was like, yeah, heroin did me a favor, man. Yeah. Heroin's got my back. And uh, I've got a bit similar to that about a girl. (laughs) It was, uh, (laughs) Just the premise alone, you just see Buck like sit up and start laughing. It, it, he almost looked like he was having a stroke. Actually, it was amazing. Really? But yeah, then that's so he's he's excellent that way, man. That was and what I liked about it too, because it seems like the Jacks comics all kind of look out for each other. Yeah, There's, I didn't get try. any. Yeah, but it's we had to be super loyal to each other down there. Like there were other times, there's people coming through who are just going to ruin a show and fuck it up, and you're like, well, you know. I'm, I don't really want him on the show, but I guess, uh, I mean, there's only five of us doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. We can't really bully out one fifth of the entire scene, but <laughs> no, that part's been cool, man. Yeah. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. You did mention you were in Dubai. Yes, sir. Um, and you were kind enough to give me a list. And as the listeners know, sometimes they have lists, sometimes they don't. So sometimes we can stay succinct and on point, And other times we ramble about doing shows in Daytona or St. Augustine <laughs> or South Florida for an hour and a half. But um, you had mentioned a firing pin in Dubai. Yeah, that was... That's um, all you wrote. So I'm, I'm very curious as to, with your military background and everything, what that means. Well, they train... Um, so my rate, the thing that I was actually went to school for with the military was to be a... I was a hull maintenance technician. So that was I'm supposed to be welding. Okay. That was it, welding and firefighting. That's what I thought I was going to be doing. And then they wind up putting you into, like, they would call it out-of-rate training. So it was me having to go in and do a bunch of shit that I was never trained for, all on-the-job stuff. Okay. And then the job in Dubai, this was the weirdest one, was uh, I was doing maintenance work here at NAS I don't Jackson. mean to interrupt you. I just want to You're ask good? real quick. You were in the Navy. Yes, sir. Why are you in a desert? Um, well, that's the amusing part. That's where all the bad people Because <laughs> I was live. just thinking about it, and I was like, wait a second. But du- it, it, Dubai is... The UAE is on the coast, isn't it? Yeah, they have. Um, that's essentially the the gateway to uh, the Persian Gulf, if you will. Okay, okay, so, so that makes sense. All right. Yeah, we Never were doing mind. armed escorts uh, in and out. Like uh, the the whole unit was founded after the the USS Cole thing happened. Okay, where the guys in the, the speedboat just rammed into the side of a you know a destroyer and killed a bunch of people. But it was uh, it was a cool mission. So I'm an NAS. So I'm doing maintenance on trucks and stuff, which yeah. again I had no training on either. Then they send me over to Dubai, and then in the two weeks, I knew that I was getting ready to go over there. 
they were telling me shit like, uh, oh yeah, uh, you know, when you get there, you're going to be doing a, a 34 foot patrol boat. You're going to be a crewman on there. So I'm getting all qualified, everything like that, learning about the engine, you know, everything. Uh, I had to do a bunch of shooting stuff because we had two forties and 50 cows that we'd put on there. So I'm, I'm getting all that training done. And then I get over to, you know, Dubai and they're like, oh no, you're doing land-based security. So they had me like pretty much working as a cop over there. Oh, wow. Patting people down and stuff. But it was weird. And I, I could teach myself pretty much anything. I was pretty good that way. Yeah. But I would also get really nervous sometimes. So one day, uh, the M4 that I had, I, you had to take it apart and do like a maintenance check on it. Yeah. And the commanding officer and a bunch of the other officers are walking behind me. And I start having like my hands start shaking and everything. And I'm locking up because I don't want them to, to ask me any questions because then I'm going to show that I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. So it was like, oh, how much trouble can I get in? By not <laughs> but I'm sitting there. I slap everything together. And I'm just, you know, trying to, you know get the hell out of there as fast as possible. And so uh, I put the M4 back together. I got my Kevlar, all that stuff. I walk over to go uh, stay on my, uh, my watch, if you will. And uh, as I'm walking over there, I can hear something jiggling inside of the gun. And I realized what it was that uh, I didn't lock down the firing pin inside of it. So pretty much I, I had a rattle going on in the gun here. If I had lost the firing pin, then the gun never would have worked ever again. Yeah. So it was my moment of, uh, uh, you know, absolute anxiety is listening to the thing rattle as I'm walking around, just hoping no one can hear it. Then I had to wait till I got to my post. Then I went into the bathroom and I broke the entire gun down on the toilet so that nobody could see it. Yeah. And I had to put a, a gun back together while I was on the shitter. <laughs> but it was, it was a nerve wracking moment, man. Yeah. Cause if there's one thing shooter taught us with Mark Wahlberg, it's that the gun won't fire if there's no <laughs> pin. Yeah, it's... Uh, so remember, he puts the bullet in in the end, he points it at the guy, and he pulls the trigger, and it doesn't fire. And he goes, yeah, I don't have... I take the firing pins out of all my rifles. No bullets. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that, yeah, that was a scary moment for me, man, but... Because I'm not... Uh, I, so were you more worried about, like, they're going to hear it, and you're going to get into some shit, or more worried about, like, something's going to happen, and your gun's not going to work? That's... Well, I mean, because we were pretty safe over there. That yeah. part was cool. But the thing is, is that then you have... Uh, you have to turn your guns back in at the end of every shift. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't get to keep them. I thought you paid for all that stuff, like, personally. Nah, nah, that'd be great, though. Well, because I talked to an army buddy, um, and he was a a ranger, and he said that, like, all the bells and whistles, like, all that extra tech, he said they pay for that. He was like, no, they... Yeah, he goes, they give you the basic stuff, but if you want, like, advanced Kevlar, you want, like, a specialty helmet, or if you want anything special, they take it out of your check. So I just assume... I mean, maybe it's not the same across all branches. That would stink. Yeah. yeah, but like if you wanted like a specialty scope because it was better, you they would take it. Now, this was years ago. Um, and again, I might be misremembering, but I could have sworn he was like, no, it's like it, I, I was like, wait, that's like a video game. Like you go through a shopping list and like you like upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. See, that would be cool. Our thing was we didn't really have I mean, our mission was very simple. And it was I mean, again, you're in Dubai, so you feel pretty safe to begin yeah. with. And we were definitely the lowest rung, if you will. I mean, it was so we had old M4s and we okay. had the nine millimeter Berettas too, like pretty much stuff that probably got uh, signed off on in like the the nineties. Okay. We were still using so. So you have to turn that in every day. Yeah, that would be the and then the worst part is it's the people in the armory that are checking everything. They would immediately know like, oh, where's a firing pin on this? And then all yeah, because the, that's the, what they do all day long. Yep, and they'd have to report you, and then it turns into a whole thing. Oh, well, HT three Burke, uh, he seems to have lost the firing pin on his M four. And now you're walking around the place looking for it, and you're definitely getting in trouble. Some extra military instruction, if you will. The officers have to find out about it. So it was like a very ugly thing. Oh, my God. That's the worst. That sounds like... 
than to be sitting there literally like uh I, I was I'll never forget it either. It was I had everything on top of the toilet. Yeah. So that was kind of a weird move to begin with. But and just and then people are knocking on the door like, Hey Burke, you, you good in there? And you're trying to like time your coughs to make so whenever something's slapping together, so yeah. like the, the upper and lower arms on the gun or whatever, whenever that's like you're timing your cough so that you can try to cover it up so that they're like, Is he sounds like he's assembling a gun. <laughs> that's that sounds like a gun. Yeah, it was fucking nerve wracking, man. But that was uh, that was the closest I got. I also one time I left uh, my walkie talkie out, and that's like the worst thing you can do. It's like you know, I just quoted Die Hard a second ago, but that was the thing because then now the, now the enemy has your comms. Yeah, you know, that kind of. So if I could get absent mind with that, I I was fine with what we had to do, but I would never want to be. Uh, it, there's a reason I didn't become a master at arms in the military. You know yeah, what I, mean? I was like, yeah, I'll just I'll weld. I can do that, and then boom, they never let you weld. So yeah, that's that's nuts. Just because like. I can't imagine how nerve wracking that would be to be like, I was scared shitless. Well, cause it's was... one of those things too, where it's like, as soon as you get up and you notice that, cause you said the, the commanding officers, it's not like you can like, Oh shit. And like turn around and like just disassemble it right then and there. Yeah. And if you did that, that would open you up to a whole nother line of questioning. Yeah. It was probably going to be bad news. So yeah. and it was either way you, you lose. Oh yeah. It was just about getting the hell out of there. Yeah. So as undesirable as it was to be, uh, uh, you know, taking apart a gun in a bathroom, that was, Holy that felt shit. safer. <laughs> yeah. Is he putting a gun together? That sounds like a gun. <laughs> nah, they were weird that way, man. Now you are, you do currently, what do you say? You, you currently live in Jersey, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Even I went back down here for a little while. Yeah. I'm going to stay here. Cause there's, um, I mean, Jersey, New York city is shut down. I live yeah. about 20 minutes outside of Manhattan. Okay. Um, but, uh, they're pretty much shut down still. And then Jersey is sort of more relaxed with it, but it's one of those things, man, where it's... Uh, I, I definitely have that seasonal disaffective thing, whatever yeah, it is. the sad yeah. seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. It's... Uh, well, you got to just get out of the house and look at a different set of four walls. Yeah. And, you know, it's like a shit day down here, but it was also like, yeah, I was also drinking coffee this morning in the backyard hanging out. Like, yeah. You can, you can be outside and it's not terrible right now, but... Yeah, oh, yeah, because it's, I forget, it's freezing up there. It is. I think it was like 28 degrees or something. Yeah, I've never seen snow, so I forget about those Damn, things. Damn, dude. Florida your whole life, or? Yeah, I was born in Ohio, but I was born in the summer, and then a month, at, when I was a, one month, my dad was transferred down to Florida, so I grew up in Florida. Apparently, I have seen snow. There's pictures of me in snow, but I don't have any recollection <laughs> of that. But again, I played football for nine years and have, um, you know, a fucked up brain, so I, I don't. There's pictures of me like next to a snowman, but I have no recollection of that whatsoever. See, that one's wild for me, man. That was, uh, I mean, I would say this too. I think snow is magical for the first couple of like the months of winter. Yeah. And then right around now, like approaching February, you're just like this fucking, I'm so sick of this goddamn yeah. shit. Well, we, um, we, uh, and I know I've talked about this before with Savannah, my girlfriend, we were supposed to be in Manhattan April 1st. Oh, 22nd and 2nd, we uh, had a lease already to be signed. We went up there because I, I was kind of like got to the point where I was, you know, with comedy, I was like, I need to go somewhere where because now I've been doing it. That's I've how been, backwards this year's been, too, is that now I'm coming down to Florida to get more to, stage to, time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Weird. But I was like, I was like, I, I'm pretty good. The nicest thing, and I've joked about this before, but the nicest thing Chris Buck has ever said to me in the almost decade I've known him was we were sitting and doing a jam sesh. We were sitting there and I was telling him about New York. And he's like, why? Like, why? Like, why are you going up there? Like, like, why? And I was like, I just, you know, want to expand my horizons. I want to, I'm, I'm, you know, I want to meet different people. He's like, but you can get more stage time down here. Like, why would you want to go up? Which doesn't make, it's mind boggling to me. Cause I think Chris Buck is one of the greatest 
is the best comedian in Florida and could be one of the top comedians in the country, but he, he stays here, which is like, so I'm like, dude, like you've got hours and hours and hours of material, but he just likes doing what he's doing. So more power to him. But he, uh, he looked at me and he goes, well, I mean, I guess you'll do okay up there. And I was like touched, like, cause to, for Chris Buck <laughs> to tell me you're going to be all right. I was like, yeah. And I looked at him dead in his eyes and I go, is it cause you think I'm funny? And he went, no, absolutely not. <laughs> he goes, it's because you're really good with people though. And that's all that it is. And I was like, uh, thanks. Like, I hate to say that is 90% of the gimmick though, is, uh, just yeah. knowing how to not be a douchebag. Yeah, exactly. That's being <laughs> a, being a good hang, I guess. But yep. we had it. Yeah. We went up there March 7th. We went up there, looked at apartments, found a place. It was actually, it's pretty spacious place for New York prices. And we both said like, we're not going to live in Jersey. We're not going to live in Brooklyn. Like we're going to live in Manhattan and we tall order. Yeah. But well, in the places we looked at, I all made sure we're within a 30 minute walk of the cellar, the stand, you know, all that different stuff, because it's one thing like, and you know, this, like just being, and I've talked to, we've we always talk about this stuff, like being outside of a show, you get booked on other shows. Like it happens in Jacksonville all the time. Yeah. So I was like, I've been outside the comedy cellar and like smoked a cigarette with David tell and like hung out with Tom Rhodes. Like what's stopping? Like if I'm going to the cellar four nights a week after work, what's stopping that from actually turning into something. And that's, that's was my logic was like, oh, that could turn into something, which I'm sure there's a million people that live up there that think the same thing. So that was the whole, and then my girlfriend has always wanted to live in the city as well. And, you know, she works at a very nice restaurant and she was going to transfer to the one right there on Fifth Avenue and like run that one, which would have been cool, you know, because New York City, Manhattan, Back when it still existed, right? Yeah, is a lot different than Jacksonville. And then it was 10 days before we were supposed, like literally, we were going to break our lease here I had couches and all sorts of shit. And here I sold, we sold a bunch of stuff in the house. We were boxing things up, like getting ready to go 10 days before her work called her and goes, Hey, your transfer's off. This is like March 23rd. And oh we were boy. like, yeah, what? And they're like, yeah. And we had it. We got approved for the place, had the down payment, had first months, last months, had, had the money. It was done. And then they called 10 days before and they're like, yeah, you're not going anywhere. 2020, man. Yeah. But they, it was funny because her boss was like, well, you can still move up to New York, but you're not, you're just not going to have a job. And we're like, there's no reason to. Yeah. Then why would we go pay? We it was double the rent for a place that was as big as a little bit bigger than the room we're sitting, the room we're sitting in now. Oh, I believe it, man. Yeah. That was, uh, that, I think Jacksonville ruined me for my entire life for that because yeah. the house that I had when I was, my mortgage was $828 a month. Oh God. So I can't even, the idea of like, well, my mortgage, I had a three bedroom house, yeah. you know, and I was sitting there like that, that's the dream, dude. I was pretty much, I had, we bought it like market lows and everything. So it was every possible thing worked out in our favor. And then you go up there and you're like, all right, well, I don't need much space. I can just do like a studio apartment or something. Yeah. You're like, oh, I don't have a $1,800 a month yeah, it's, to shit out. Well, and it's funny, not funny. It's obviously a terrible tragedy, but it's ironic now because we still have every intention to go up there as soon as everything reopens, whenever that might be. But everyone's like, oh, New York, you know, comedy's dead. New York is dead. I'm like, I don't, I don't, like, we're still going. It's the greatest city in the world. It'll bounce back. Um, don't, How long? That's the question. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the big question. But we we still have every intention to go. So every once in a while, she'll look on Street Easy, that, New, that app by New Yorkers for New Yorkers for apartments. And now there's places, two, three bedrooms, doorman, elevator, for the price of where we were looking at before. Yep. Because everyone left. 
That is one weird uh, factor of it too, because then um, just where everybody is living, because like I said, I grew up uh, twenty minutes outside of there. Yeah, it's, but it can be a two-hour drive. Yeah, that's the other part. Do you, that's, now that's the thing. Do, living in Jersey, do you, you have a car, or do you oh, just yeah. take the train everywhere like people in New York do? I would. You know, in Jersey, you need a car to okay. get around. But it was uh, so. It, depending on my time too, what I would do is I'd either you could drive around the city at night. That's not too too bad. But yeah, um, I could take. I would take the Port Authority bus in a lot. Okay, that, and that's a. Uh, as I've said uh, to people in the past, taking the bus from Jersey into Manhattan, it's like when um, Wizard of Oz when Dorothy sees color for the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's a very. I mean, that's a jar. It's first of all, it can get exciting as you're going into the city, but there's also nothing more depressing than trying to catch the last bus back at Port Authority. Yeah, I mean, there's some like Star Wars cantina level <laughs> nonsense going on there, you know. But it was, uh, yeah, I miss that part of it, you know. And it is. You're right too, by the way. That's. I mean. New York, hanging out in there, I didn't realize how, what a big deal that was going to be. You have to hang out places. Like yeah. a, a friend of mine, I won't say his name, um, he got passed at the cellar, and then he was he was working road gigs all the time on the weekend, so he was never there when like you know the owners would be there. Yeah, and so he wasn't put in the FaceTime, and then they just casually forgot to start using him again. Oh, really? So yeah, he got passed at the cellar. I think he had like two months worth of you know shows over there, and then um, he'd hang out on nights. He was there, he'd be hanging out, but it'd be like a Tuesday night. 915 spot or something yeah so he'd be hanging out there and putting in all the comics liked him but you got to put the facetime in with uh the people that actually do the booking and all yeah, that other Etsy shit, and so. all them yeah yeah he lost uh he he was a little bit depressed about it but he understands that it wasn't his fault it's just yeah. that there's such a deep pool of talent up there well and that's the thing too is that you you realize just being in this because i'm to be honest with you i wanted to go to la um and i've always wanted to go to la since i was younger because i was like Oh, like I'm an LA guy. Like I'll act. Like I'm 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 a good-looking guy. I can do impressions. Like I'll act. I'll do different things. And then this is like and it's so weird cuz like I think this and I'm like I'm the only person who's ever had this thought. Like nobody thinks this way. <laughs> I'll go to LA and be a comic actor. <laughs> but that's my favorite thing about Jeff Zenesek. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't What? <laughs> but um so I always thought I was going to go to L.A. Um, and then um, my ex-fiance is from Jersey. So then that's kind of what planted the seed of moving up north ah. instead of out west. Um, and then when I got with Savannah, she was, she goes to New York at least once a year. That's like she always takes a trip up there. She loves it. I had only ever been to New York once when I was. Women love that city, man. It's, well, I mean, now I had only ever been there one time. That's when I was 14. We went up for a Thanksgiving. And that's why I said i never seen snow because it only got down to like 34 degrees, but it never snowed. Um, so we get there, um, and I'm 14, I'm with my family. So I'm just doing, I'm just tagging along with wherever my dad wants to go. And it was a lot of fun, but at the same time, like I didn't experience the city. We went a couple years ago for Christmas. We'd only been dating a few months for Christmas. She got us tickets for, um, laughs at the garden, which is a New York like fundraiser thing. And it's mainly Sweet. New Yorkers, but it's John Mulaney. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Burr, like this is what she got me as a Christmas present because she knows I'm into comedy. So we made a whole vacation out of it. And dude, the second we got into the city, we stayed at the Soho Grand. And the second we walked out the door and people were honking and it was like, fuck you. And I was like, I love this place. Like, this is me. Like aggressive. Nobody fucking talks to anybody. You put your head down. You just walk straight. Like, I was so excited. It is good that way. That's always the thing I got to readjust to being down here where it's like people will just say hello to random strangers. Yeah. And it's uh, and I can't stand it. Like, I'll, I go, I have a bit about it, but like at the gym, I have my headphones on, my hoodies up. There's nothing about my facial expression that's warm or inviting or welcome. And people still like, hey, man, what's going on? It's like, 
get the fuck away from me. And that's why, that's when I realized when we went up there as when I was an adult and I could actually appreciate like everyone just keeping to the fucking selves. That's when I was like, oh, I, this is me. Like, I love this place. It's a good place to disappear too. That's the other fun part. I love that. Just everyone's minding their own business and shit. Like it's, oh man, it's the best. So did you, when you, so you started coming here, you go back up to Jersey. Were you going into the city a lot to do shows and stuff or? Well, it was, um, I mean, that would, originally I wanted to do that. I, I got a really awesome setup. Actually, it was a friend of mine, uh, did Jackie Knight's show down here. Okay. I, I, I met Augustine. him. Yeah. So I met him at that show and the, you know, he's telling me, he's like, Oh cool. I was the only comic that was talking to him. Like everybody else is not, not being like standoffish with him, but was this a comic at Jackie Knight's? Yeah. So okay. he was visiting from New York. Okay. And, uh, anyway, the dude's name is Randy Humphrey. Great guy. Love him. Uh, he tells me, he goes, uh, Oh yeah, man. Um, Whenever you come up to New York, just let me know, and I'll, I'll throw you on some shows or something like that. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm thinking, you know, whatever. It'll be a bar show yeah. somewhere in the village or something. And it wound up being that he was booking a bringer at uh, The Stand. Oh, are you serious? So my first time on stage in New York City was at The Stand, the old one, down yeah. in the old basement. But it was uh, it was. Have weird. you been to the new one, by the way? Yeah, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's sick. It's They got something going on. Uh, I mean, as long as they can keep those doors open, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just saying that the setup, like when you walk, like it, it's pretty, like it's like nice, like oh, the yeah. way they have, like you walk in, everything's like brand new and shiny, and it's like, oh wow. The uh, the old one was awesome, but I, had never I was been never comfortable because, uh, I mean, you don't really want to go down there unless you're uh, like about to go up anyway. Like all the comics hang out upstairs and yeah. shit. But it was uh, infamous for uh, the bathroom line being like five or six people deep at all times. Oh, really? So yeah, it was. Uh, the old one wasn't very comfortable, but there was something cool about it. like that. That yeah. definitely was a, a special spot. That was your first show in New York. Was it the Stand? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually on my birthday, so it was on nine eleven. I'm I was born September eleventh, and uh, I bring. Forget. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring in a this dude. Randy was telling me he goes, you don't have to bring anybody, but if you want to, you know, I can get him like discounted tickets or something. Okay. So my dad comes in. Uh, I think my sister comes. Uh, couple other friends stuff like that so they they're all there to see me you know do comedy on my birthday it's their kind of a thing it's cool yeah Um, it's like an event it's like hey we're gonna go check it out and it was uh it was definitely a a nerve-wracking moment to begin with but uh the guy randy forgot to tell me that uh the light the the little red light in the back of the room that tells you when it's time to wrap it up yeah he forgot to tell me that that thing was like on the fritz or something so that light never came off when i was up there so I walked up on stage for the first, and I, I wasn't time because down here you just time yourself. That was yeah. all you were doing. So um, I was told I had five minutes and I get up on stage and I see the light flashing and I freak out and I don't forget. Like I couldn't even remember where I was in my set. So uh, I actually did 90 seconds of comedy. Really? Yeah. I got off. Uh, I don't think I hit two minutes. Um, so I did. And, and again, I'm sitting there. I walk off stage. I was like, oh yeah, how, wh- I'm sorry. I had to put the light on. And he goes, oh dude. He had like a little stoner voice. It was very funny. No, dude, I meant to tell you, just ignore that. I would have came and given you the light with my phone or something. So all these people had to come in. And by the way, when you go into the city from Jersey, it's about a $20 uh, endeavor. Yeah. yeah. So all that shit going on. And then uh, they got to see me do 90 seconds of comedy. Nailing it. Yeah, it was exciting. You have had some fun adventures, though, in the city. Uh, Yeah, there's been a couple. If this um, something happened to you in Brooklyn... Oh, you're talking about Brooklyn Chase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, okay, different, different. I forgot I sent that over to you. Brooklyn Chase is a porn star. I See, when you put Brooklyn Chase, I was like, if that was the name, because I know who that is, I was like, he would have <laughs> capitalized the Chase. I was like, this must be like a Chase in Brooklyn. 
No, that's uh, it is funny anytime you search for her that uh, the Chase ATM machine always pops up over in Brooklyn. That's, that's hilarious. Like, oh, this guy really likes banking. Yeah, because like, the way I read it was Brooklyn Chase story. And I was like, oh, so like he was chased in Brooklyn. I thought no, you had maybe a, gotten into some antics in Brooklyn. But you meant. There's been times. Brooklyn Chase. Yes. Story. Who messaged me yesterday. Really? Was, yeah, it was. Um, well, I, I did a. I talk about it on stage a little bit, but it was weird. I, did, I had a uh, great fucking segue for that, and then I fucked it up because it was the wrong person. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I was all like, so, New York, you get into some trouble. How about Brooklyn? And you're like, what? Well, that's what I was trying to remember what, what stories I told you and which ones I didn't. So that's porn the worst stars, part. we all like porn stars. You have a Brooklyn Chase story. Tell me about that. Well, uh, it was a 100% true story here. Uh, I was four days into No Nut November. Okay. All right? No jerking off, no watching porn or anything like that. And uh, I just gotten done on that Saturday night doing a clean show for the church that I was baptized in. It was a fundraiser for something my mom was putting together. Okay. When was so, this? What year? Uh, so that was two years ago, I want to say. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, actually, this particular one was three years ago. I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, I go ahead. I'm, I, I wake up on Sunday morning. Giants are playing at one. So I was already drinking. It was like 10 a.m. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I get a phone call from a, a guy who books a couple of shows. Good dude. Dan Frigolette is his name. Um, and he, uh, he hits me up and he goes, Hey man, uh, I've heard good things about you. Um, I got to, I need to, you know, need you to come to a spot tonight for me. You want to, you know, work. Yeah. And, uh, absolutely. 100%. I told the guy, I couldn't believe I was saying this, but I was like, dude, I'm, I'm already, you know, you're in that zone where you're like, right, I'm just drinking beer today. That's all um, I wanted to do. And I was like, now I got to drive somewhere where the yeah. hell is this? So, uh, then he tells me, uh, I ask a little bit more about the gifts. Like, oh, I'm not really available tonight. And he goes, all right, well, listen, it's, um, the porn star convention exotica is in town. And a couple of the uh, porn girls want to do stand-up. So, you know, I would want you to come down here and be like a host for the show or at least do time on the show. Yeah. And uh, I told him, uh, I'm, I'm like 50-50 on it. And then he just goes, <laughs> and he goes, uh, goes well, the, I don't know if this will change your mind or not, but Brooklyn Chase is going to be on the show. And it was like, I remember like my heart sinking and I was like, shit, like, does he, does he know how I'm off? <laughs> and, uh, so, knows. yeah. And it was, it was strange, man. So I, I wind up agreeing to do the show and she's a sweetheart. There's a picture of me and her up on my, uh, my, my Instagram of uh, me and her, but it was very amusing because uh, now you're sitting there doing, you know, porn, uh, you know, uh, sorry, watching porn stars try to do comedy. Yeah. And you're sitting there like, oh, this has got to be interesting because it's, it, that's how low comedy is on the totem pole of con like talent is that uh, the, they're just like, oh, it's like a, a fun little thing for us to try, you know? Yeah. These are people like whose assholes I've seen on, you know, TV and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they just are like, yeah, we can do this too. Exactly. A little bit of the uh, Dunning-Kruger, whatever it's called, right? Yeah. So the, the idea that they just think it was going to be easy. But she was a sweetheart, man. And then um, I thought it was hilarious um, that I, I put up, uh, there was a picture of me and her that I just put up on my Instagram. Uh, and I tagged her in it. This was like months ago, like leading up to uh, weeks ago, actually, I should say. So right before Christmas, I did like a holiday card, like a Christmas thing. Yeah. So I, I put a, a banner of that around the photo of uh, me and her on my Instagram. And I just wrote, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas from our hub to yours. <laughs> and then she messaged me today laughing about it. It was yesterday, actually. But uh, it was a, a weird thing because also when you don't watch porn for four days and then you're hanging out with your favorite porn star, that was... Uh, yeah, you know, if you're nervous about like the government tapping your phone calls or Amazon tracking purchases, it's like I quit watching porn for four days and it fucking came and found me. Yeah. <laughs> so that was trippy, but get this guy. Exactly. Something's wrong. It's, well, then uh, I guess it was would have been this year for New Year's or something like that. But she was going to be dancing at a, a strip club in Poughkeepsie. And I was uh, doing a show that was also going to be in Poughkeepsie. 
and the booker to fuck with me because he's a friend of mine, Dan McRitchie. He, uh, he messages her and says, Hey, uh, come by, you know, laugh it up comedy club in Poughkeepsie after your set or before your set, uh, your boyfriend, KP Burke's going to be here. And, uh, they, the whole like thing worked out where it's going to be, I'd walk into the green room and she'd be there. Yeah. Like my head would explode or something like that. But it was, uh, of course, COVID ruined that one too, but yeah. God, this, COVID. Yeah. That's a strange one too. We were talking about it earlier with, uh, just meeting famous people or, or people you look up to or anything oh, like that. Yeah. And so you have that instant recognition of uh, a porn star, but you're like, Oh, am I supposed to, you know, cause if you get excited to know who they are, you're already revealing, you know, one of your dirty little secrets yeah, too. Absolutely. That was, we were watching the, uh, two bears, one cave live show for new <laughs> year's Eve. Um, I had Savannah watching it with me. And as soon as they're doing like the table reads for their pornos, Tom goes to do his and he got Christy Mack. And as soon as I see her on the table, I go, holy shit, that's Christy Mack. And she whips her head. And she's like, excuse me? Oh, really? Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, oh, boy, I don't know. Like, yeah, obviously everybody knows Christy Mack. Like, and then I tried to play it off. Like, oh, no, no, no. She was in the news because her, her ex-boyfriend beat her up. That's 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 how I know. Yeah. That's, that's how I know it. Yeah. She was on a podcast I listened to. Uh, <laughs> that was actually a weird one. I uh, My friend... Uh, uh, she has a show that she was doing during COVID called Never Have I Ever. Yeah. And it was essentially just the drinking game, Never Have I Ever. But, you know, I thought it was just going to be all comics on there. So we're doing it via Zoom. So I, it was like my first real show. But like the idea that, you know, I was going to be doing comedy again kind of a thing. So I remember being excited about it. And then uh, she forgot to tell me that um, two of the other guests, I thought it was going to just all be comedians. Yeah. Two of the other guests are porn stars. Uh, one of them I didn't know. The other one was Jillian Jansen. Okay. Who I definitely know. And, uh, it was this weird vibe, though, because you open up the laptop and you enter into the Zoom chat, and then I saw her face on there, and I, I immediately recognized who it was, but I also had that moment of panic where I was like, oh, shit, I left a tab open. This is, <laughs> that's not good, dude. So I left a tab open. But yeah, no, she was a sweetheart, too. It was... Uh, I, my friends try to be like, oh, they're just regular people. Like, yeah, they're sort of. Kind of. <laughs> but that's the weird thing, too, is like, and I talked about this with Trevor Johnson last week, but like, when you meet certain people that you look up to it's kind of like yeah i know you're like i'm supposed to just treat you like a normal person but like it means like a lot more to me to like say hey but i don't know i guess in that situation it's kind of like like i've seen your butthole like like you said like it I, is I yeah that one specifically that's the weirdest one i <laughs> yeah. would say too because <laughs> it's one thing like when you listen to like a lot of podcasts or a lot of comedy like i do it's one of those things where like you can meet somebody and you feel like you know them because it's like, hey, I've been, you know, listening to you for a decade. Like, I know everything about you. I remember all your stories. Yep. But it's a whole other thing when you see them, like, getting banged. And you're kind of like, I really know a lot about you. <laughs> like, a lot. Like, I know your sounds and your movements. and There's a vulnerability to it, yeah. too, man. That It's uh, definitely a weird industry. I think it's sort of similar to comedy. I think I was ways. just about yeah. to say that. I was about to say it's, like, almost... I think they go hand in hand just because broken people. I was, God damn, we tripped over each other getting to that one. <laughs> yeah. Broken people. Well, we do. I mean, for the most part, what, and I know, cause you talk about your family and stuff on stage. I got to see you last night, close out the show, headline the show at eclipse. And that's right. Headline and karaoke night, baby. <laughs> but, but that's the thing is like, you talk a lot about your family. So they can put you in a vulnerable position. And I, especially with some of the stuff I talk about on stage, it's like, Oh, if this doesn't go well, like, this is going to be wildly upsetting. And so, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you're vulnerable. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's the same thing in porn. And also they're both, you know, disrespected traits. 
certainly yeah. not uh, the the pinnacle of anything. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you know, it's like, oh, you're a comic. Like, make me laugh, clown. Like, I tell worst. tables I do comedy, and they go, "Tell me a joke." Like, tell me a joke, and I'm like, "Oh, that's not where I thought this was going to go." Yeah, no, and they always think that they're helping or being cute. Like the yeah. the one that um, I'm sure it's the same in porn where people meet you and they're like, oh, "I've seen you, like, fuck," and you're like, "Yeah, cool, that's my job." Yeah. Well, uh, the other one is that you forget that a lot of them have fake names and shit. Oh yeah, that's so true. it's a weird one of like, like I mean, I go by KP, but if somebody calls me Kevin, I, I typically think, all right, they know me from outside of comedy at least, you know? Yeah, because I have always just known you as KP. Yeah, that was because uh, well, actually, when I started, that was the, even the weirdest part was um, there's a Kevin Burke that was he still does comedy as far as I know, but he was like a, a older guy, like in his uh, I would say like 40s or 50s at this point, but he was Las Vegas's Entertainer of the Year, so he was Kevin Burke comedian out there. Yeah, and uh, so he already had the career he had everything going so i was like oh shit i i should change my name then and i kp was always my nickname to begin with yeah and then you wind up having it's like oh shit that works pretty good man so there's people who still don't know what kp stands for that's weird i thought kevin patrick be a pretty easy one to figure out oh yeah that's true i well i figured the the k was kevin but i didn't i never even thought about the p no that part's fun with uh with all that weird shit but it's um i was trying to remember what the hell i was going to tell you for a second there but yeah it was uh kevin burke was doing comedy so i had to change the name there and then, um, but it's the same way where I, so Brooklyn Chase, I don't know what her real name is, but yeah. she introduced herself to me as her real name on accent. Like she had a pause for a second. She goes, oh shit. I mean, I'm Brooklyn. Sorry. Kind of, oh, really? Yeah. Like don't shatter my illusion, you know? <laughs> well, that's a weird thing too. I always remember like when I got my settlement, uh, from a car accident, I talk about that in episode two, spending 28,000 or excuse me, $26,000 in 28 days. Oh in, boy. Okay. Daytona of all places. Uh, <laughs> Hey, even really shitty cocaine gets expensive if you do enough of it. Um, also true. It's a, a quality uh, quantity thing. Yeah, yeah for sure. But um, I remember like I would go to the different clubs every night, like gentlemen's clubs, strip clubs. And I would uh, I knew the sign that like the dancers liked me if they would introduce themselves with their real name. Ah. versus like chastity or cinnamon with an s or something like that they'd be like oh you know my name's megan and i was like okay (laughs) come to find out years later that that is a ploy that they do they will introduce themselves with a fake name that sounds like a real name to make you think that you are special i like this already that's so a, I'm real bad at strip clubs too. Like I, I can't get comfortable there because I'm like, so uncomfortable. The illusion of it is uh, I, I can't even fall for that part. Like I, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I have asked a girl during a lap dance what her major was. Oh, I used to get private dances and say like when we'd go to the back, I'd say no, just sit down. I just want to talk. <laughs> like I'm not trying to one up you, but I used to do that. Hammer drunk. Like blackout drunk, and I'd be like, "No, I got sisters. I just want to talk to you. Let's. Are you in school? And this is in Daytona. What, what there is do no school. <laughs> it's a community college. If only, if only, man. No, that's a, I, the. I think women probably think that men are all garbage in places like that. But I think you and me are more common than not in terms of uh, not want to be jerks or aggressive douches yeah, or anything like, I like don't, that. Yeah, I don't understand those guys that go in there with like the 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 sweatpants on with no underwear, and they're like, "Yeah, we're just gonna basically have sex inside our pants tonight." It's like nice. That's uncomfortable. There used to be a show in Jacks at uh, it was called uh, Jiggles and Giggles or something yeah, like that. Crespo has talked about it. Yeah, yep. that was uh, he has a whole bit he does about it now. He also yeah he had um well Crespo's got one of the best stories ever about that whole thing because I think um 
a, a stripper that made out with uh, a, another friend of ours, uh, made out with um, our buddy after she had blown Crespo. So it was a whole, you know, there's a lot of snowball jokes. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but that was the weirdest one because then you can't not be, uh, when you're doing comedy there, that's like, you're in a strip club and yeah, there's strippers and they're hanging out in their underwear and stuff like that. But you also feel this weird camaraderie with them because you're there doing, like you're not there to partake in the strip club. Yeah, you're, you're there, there to work. Yeah, Exactly. So then you try talking to them like they're regular people and stuff and you realize sometimes they are regular people and other times they're like, oh no, this is fucking... You're shot, man. This yeah. Is a, also, the weirdest thing in Jacksonville is that the prettiest stripper at that entire club has no hands. Yep. I know about, yeah. Yep. They She's were, a sweetheart. Yeah. It's very pretty, too. I know very some pretty. of those stories. I've heard some of those stories about yeah. a friend of ours that remained nameless. Fair enough. That's, uh, yeah, there was... <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more depressing than a strip club on a Monday, anyway. You know? Well, I did... um. God, this was years ago, but I did a uh, Tracy. I think it was Tracy that booked me on it. I think it was a friend of work that knew Tracy booked me on the uh, ha ha ha's and ho ho ho's. Nice. That they did down at the Mayport strip club. Oh boy. And I thought like, this is, I'm drinking again. So I'm only doing comedy like once or twice a month. If that, like I'm getting drunk and messaging bucket like two in the morning like hey man i really want to come back and do comedy and he's like yeah man monday rain ducks same thing it's always been and uh so i but of course i and i have a whole joke about it but i had done two open mics and i changed everything to comedy you know brennan t comedy on all social media and this is back in 2009 when i had done two open mics so i have always had that moniker so it didn't matter if i was doing five or six shows a week or if i was doing one show a month like i would still always go like i'm a comedian nice so I was talking about it at work and then that girl knew someone who knew Tracy and he was booking the ha ha ha's and ho ho ho's. And so she was like, oh, do you want to do it? And I was like, hell yeah. And I got like super excited for it. And I like posted it everywhere. And I was like, it's a strip club in Mayport. It's going to be packed because it's all the sailors and everybody. It was not. It was, it was, it was terrible. It, I got, I was like, I'm just going to have one drink before I go up just to kind of relax. But I have. I've said that to myself before. Yeah. <laughs> I have an incredibly high tolerance. And I was super nervous because I hadn't done comedy in months at this point. So I drank like five drinks. And then I got on stage and I had a couple of stories because I was still trying to do like setup punches and impressions. and I, But I had started to make that transition into stories. I had a couple of stories that I liked. Like I tell the story about spending all that money in that short amount of time. And it was at a strip club. So I'm like, oh, perfect. Perfect synergy. So I, I did that story. And I remember there was a table of black guys in the front. And I like started like throwing out like all these like cultural, like cultural appropriation kind of like references and stuff. I was like, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You know, and like changed my voice and stuff. And then I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? And I got off and it was terrible. But the strippers were sweet about it. They're like, no, that was funny. Like, we have guys that come in here and spend money like that all the time. Like, we wish we had more of them. Like, that was great. What was well, A friend of ours uh, told me that uh, a lot of the girls, they get to drive nice cars because some of the regular customers will, like, sign a lease for them. Yeah. That kind of a thing. So yeah. It's, it's, uh, 
It's crazy, but I, I just remember that. I was like, oh, I'm never doing a show in a strip club again. Like, that was the worst. I would never, if I never had to do it ever again, I would say that there was no problem. You yeah. know what I mean? But, of course, it's comedy eventually. So I, I thought I wasn't going to have to do, you know, open mics ever again. You yeah. Know? And uh, now you're sitting like, I, I probably should work some shit out, you know? Well, that's weird, too, because you were up in Jersey. You're getting booked. Like, you you just, you don't do, like, the yeah. mic scene or any of that shit. No, I, I, that's the, it's a weird thing, too, because then you, it's about what, what do you want to be seen doing? And then it's also where you're not seen kind of a deal. So I luckily just didn't have to do open mics anymore. I got really comfortable writing on stage and shit. Yeah. And, um, but then everything kind of died and went away. So we talked about it a little bit earlier, but it's that weird thing where, um, I mean, I was working, I probably, if I had a weekend without a show, uh, I got nervous. You know okay. I mean? Like it would, that's yeah. how consistent the work was coming in on stuff like that. And, uh, I was, you know, featuring a lot, you know, it's cool. People bring you on the road. That's always fun as well too. And then um, during the pandemic, I went out and I, I like a lot of the guys in the Jersey scene who are doing like the open mic thing or whatever, but I was going to go be a judge for uh, a comedy fight club thing. That okay. they were doing. So I bump into one of the guys who's down there and he's like, he's like, how you doing, man? I was like, oh, I'm miserable. You know, I probably only had maybe three or four shows all summer. It was like, you know, August at this point. And he goes, uh, yeah, man, no, I know. I same here. And then I was sitting there like, no, you don't. You, you don't. Because... I had to lose so much to fall back into like what your his life didn't change at all during yeah. the pandemic. It was like you're working the exact Act same, same amount yeah. of time, so it was the my fall from grace was uh, oh, it was baffling, dude. It fucking hurt. So again, like the idea that you're coming down to Jacksonville to do you know gigs, that's the complete opposite. The idea of fleeing New York to go back to uh, you know Jacksonville, Florida, Duval. It's weird. I talked to um. I got nervous because when the pandemic first, because I, I like I said, I, we were like, no, we're still going. Just depends on when, but we're still going. Uh, brutal. And I see all these Instagram posts and stories about friends of mine that moved to New York or L.A. that are now moving home, are moving out of the city because there's not like they went up there to follow a dream and now everything's shut down, so they they just have to leave. And I like was in a panic. And I was talking to Savannah about it, my girl, and I was like, I don't like comedy's dead, I guess. I don't know what's happening. Pretty much. Well, then I talked to a friend of mine who who lives up there and he's still up there. And he was like, just think of it this way. Like, once everything once everything eventually reopens, because it will, once everything eventually reopens, you're going to be here. Like, you'll move up here and all those people will be gone and you'll be just now starting. And I was like, well, I guess if you think about it like that, that's pretty cool. Like, I'll be first in line. And then you'll see the uh, the mass uh, influx of people coming back in. As That'll long as we sign our lease before that influx happens, I'm fine with it. Uh, dude, that's probably the move. Yeah. yeah. As long as we can get our lease signed before that, before it's, hey, the vaccine works. We're all good here in New York City. If we can get the lease signed right, like the day before that happens, we're going to be all right. <laughs> we're going to be living like fat cats for a year. Oh, man. That will be fun to see because it's probably going to be another year or two before it all starts to yeah, sort of come back. Yeah, fully operational. That's the other weird part. Now all these people are you know, New York comics, but they're all living in Jersey for yeah. the most part. So that one's even... It's strange what you can start bumping into, you know, because everybody else went down on their levels too, you know? Oh, so yeah. If you were... I mean, I was featuring. I was getting to the point. I mean, I was a reliable... I'm a reliable, ugh, reliable middle... Right, so I can do all that stuff, and then now I'm like, I, I I'll host. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'm take fine a, with that. Yeah, I'll take a fifty dollars hosting spot. Well, it's funny we've got some comics that started uh, during the pandemic, like Morgan Gallo, who's been on this show, and a couple other people here in Jacksonville that started during the pandemic. And uh, what level of masochism is that, yeah, dude? To... We talk about it. It's it's insane. Oof. But uh, but it's weird because like Crespo is booking obviously all sorts of work because, and he he's openly admitted this. He says, you know, there are some 
higher, you know, caliber rated, whatever you want to say, comics that aren't doing work right now. So that opens the door for him to get more work. Also true. Which opens the door for him to take people like Morgan on the road with him or take me out to feature for him or something like that, which is awesome. But he's openly admitted it to me to, and to her because, you know, we do that clam jam. It's like our little trio thing. Nice. So we have like a group chat and we talk about it all the time. He's like, once everything opens back up, he's like, my work is going to get cut. He's like, so what do you think's going to happen to you guys? <laughs> like, And it's like, oh, yeah, once it gets safe, like all the like heavy hitting comics who haven't been touring all summer are going to come back out. And then there's going to be no space for old Brennan. It's uh, it's going to be brutal because... You know, I mean, I was fine. Being a, a, a road feature is cool. I'm good yeah. with that. That's what I like doing anyway. But then I do feel bad for friends of mine that were just starting to close out clubs. Now they're like, oh, well, uh, Bill Burr's coming through. So yeah. Bill Burr's going to go play Stress Factory or something like that. So <laughs> yeah. theater acts are now doing, you know, the bigger clubs again. Uh, so that's a step Russell down Peters was just at the Improv in uh, Orlando. No shit, man. Yeah. He was like, like playing like... arenas and shit, wasn't he? Yeah. Damn. He says that he, he, he does the club dates to refine his hour. And then he'll go do stadiums and arenas. So like he works on it. So he'll do stadium arena tour, then throw all that material away, then do clubs to work on a new new set, and then it's do the right move, like, yeah. yeah, and then just go. So it's just like a a ro- you know revolving door of. But you said uh, you had mentioned Bill Burr, which is interesting <laughs> because you do have a Bill. I know I'm not going to screw that name up. You do have an interesting Bill Burr story from Jacksonville. This one feels good. It feels appropriate to tell this one here with you, dude. All right, because we are. I want to say maybe 10 houses away from my old house in Jacksonville. Yeah. So it was a hundred percent true story. This is uh this shit's wild, man. Um, I've talked about it a little bit on stage before, but th- this is the full nitty gritty on the thing. The girl I was with the, uh, at the time we were, I bought the house and I got back from Dubai, right? We, it was awesome. Four bedroom house, uh, again, right down the street from where we're at right now, which is even trippier. I drove past it the other day and it was like, you know, it's also on a, a dead end. So I'm sitting there like, it's probably, you know, some neighbors concerned as to why this, <laughs> yeah. this red pickup truck and the tow truck driver looking motherfucker behind the wheel uh, is taking photos of the place. But oh, You were taking pictures? Well, I took one. just I want to be like, I, I texted it to my mom. I was like, guess where I am? That yeah. kind of a thing. But uh, so it was nuts. Uh, I guess the house. where I am six hours later. Mom, I got arrested. Yeah. <laughs> Call from Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. But the... Um, it was cool. Me and her were, uh, you know, we wound up getting engaged too. That was a whole thing. Uh, we were going to get married. Yeah, I'm aware and, uh, of that situation. Yep. <laughs> and um, so it was a weird one. Uh, but I loved the house that I was in, and the whole thing. <laughs> you was, were going to say, but I still love her. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. There's no more. You know what it is? I can tell this story now without anger. That's the good news. <laughs> but I loved the house that we were in. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, well, it's, again, like I said, I can tell the story now because I'm not angry about it anymore, but it was, uh, at the time, in order to, for us to get the house, I had like less than 90 days left in the military, so I had all the money, I bankrolled the entire thing, but you can't get, uh, they won't sign off for like, you know, to help you finance a mortgage or anything if you have less than 90 days of uh, employment, you know, still kind of a thing, because they're like, oh, we're not going to bankroll this and then you don't have a job in two yeah. months, you know, so. But you're like the mortgage is eight hundred bucks. Like I could, yeah, that I was could the best find eight hundred dollars a month. That was oh, I had it all worked out too, man. It was a beautiful system. But uh, so I did the down payment. I put eight thousand down on the house. I paid the first and the second month's uh, mortgage myself, just so we could take care of stuff. And she kind of had the understanding that uh, you know money might not be there later on, but she's also not getting a house either. So yeah. you know what I mean. It's a uh, 
it was a weird. Uh, so it was know, everything in your name for the house. Well, I had to put her on the mortgage with because me. of the yeah because of the ninety day thing. So again, we whatever it's all working out. We're getting married anyway. This yeah, is you know you can get out of a mortgage, right? And uh, so I we went ahead and did it. I put eight thousand down, and then me and her, I would say we were at the house maybe for a year or so. And then I was doing comedy more, and uh, you know she was clearly could tell that you know that's what I was. Women don't like it when they find the thing that you like more than them. Yeah. So that was kind of the you know, she was hating comedy. Like uh, anytime I would say like oh, I'm thinking about quitting or maybe taking some time off or something, she's like, Yeah, it's a good idea. Oh and really? Oh yeah. What were you doing? So you had 90 days left in the the military, but you said you've been in the house now at this point for a year. So did you just jump into something else, or were you just doing comedy? Uh, well, I got a job working with old Billy Barnwell. Okay. Yeah, me and him were working together uh, doing this uh, incoming call center job. It was hell, but it, but also, it was just something to pay the bills. Oh yeah, it kept uh, kept the roof over the head for a little while. But I was miserable. There, you know, I didn't want to do anything with that place above and beyond what I had to do. And then, uh, you know, me and her. It, we were having some rough patches. It was a pretty rough uh, spot in my life in general. But uh, so me and her decide we're going to split. And uh, I told her, I was like, well, listen, here's what we'll do. I'll sign this thing called a quit claim deed and I'll give you the house, right? I'll just take my name off the mortgage, but you got to pay me $8,000. Like you got to reimburse me the, uh, uh, the down payment I put down. So she goes, oh, okay, well, I'll do that. And then uh, like a couple minutes later, she goes, well, I can't get the money. So, uh, and I was like, fuck it, just give me 6,000 and we'll, we'll move on from there. And she goes, okay, so I can do six. Uh, I can't give it to you all at once. Can we do like a payment plan or something? And it was like, come on, I'm giving you a fucking house here. This yeah. is nuts. So uh, I wind up moving back up to Jersey. And uh, my cousin, who's a lawyer, writes up a contract. And uh, the contract was very much in her favor. You know what I mean? It was a super fair contract. And uh, it was going to be like, I forget what the deal was, maybe like 400-something bucks a month she had to pay me for whatever the duration would have been to, to pay off what she owed. And uh, then at the end of that, then I would sign off uh, on the mortgage. Otherwise, I just kept my name on the house and shit. Yeah. So uh, now she was, I'll say this about her, I'm not angry at her anymore, but uh, she definitely didn't f like fully understand what she was dealing with here. Because in her mind, she goes, oh, well, uh, you moved out, so I changed the locks. You know, so you can't get in here now. I was like, yeah, I can still break into my own house. That's, yeah. You know, don't, don't make me do that. Name. Yeah. So... But uh, it was it was weird. Uh, I go home and uh, back to Jersey. Yeah, I'm back up in Jersey now. I'm going to school. I was taking some college classes, working on myself and shit like that. And then, um, but she's being a real pain in the ass. She's dragging you know uh, dragging this thing out way longer than it has to be, and uh, all this other. She has issues with the contract now. All of a sudden, so we get into a verbal spat, and I think I drop the old C next Tuesday on her. In, yeah. uh, in one of our angry moments, and the the reason why I was so angry was because. I would say within 90 days of me leaving, she had a, a new uh, boyfriend and the boyfriend was in the picture on her profile on Facebook. Yeah. So now I can see the guy that's living in my house. Yeah. You know, fucking my ex. And uh, so that was a little bit, I thought that was cold. Feeling I am familiar with. Yeah. Okay. So no, I think we have some kindred spirits here yeah. thing going on. I definitely I like don't follow them on any social media, but... <laughs> My entire family does, so those pictures still pop up on my thing. That is a weird one. Yeah, Facebook memories can remind you of a lot of oh, stuff, yeah, can't that they? Too. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. good that way. Um, but anyway, so I don't want to be, you know, uh, I, I'm thinking we're just going to, you know, figure this thing out, whatever, you know, she's being a pain in the ass about it. Maybe I'm a little bit hurt and being a, you know, a jerk. Yeah. But uh, all of a sudden, after I, you know, drop the, the C next Tuesday on her, um, all of a sudden, I'm not dealing with her anymore. It's a family friend that's getting involved. And he goes, oh, I... I write contracts and I work in local government. I'm sitting there like, well, how are you a family friend? And I never heard that you existed. Uh, and and we, were, we were supposed to get married, so I, I pretty much know yeah, everything what's I, going on here. Four and a half years together. I yeah. probably should have met you if you're going to be such a, a good friend that you're getting involved with this. 
And uh, so they, the guy's trying to like hardball me on a couple of things. He's trying to like, you know, he goes, oh, uh, I would actually suggest that you take $4,000 and be done with it, you know? And uh, also if you don't do this, then we're going to have to start charging you for uh, uh, the mortgage. Your half of the mortgage will have to be paid. And I remember telling the, the guy, I was like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, I'll move back in. If, if that's the case, I'm not paying a mortgage or anything. Also, I'm only out of the house because uh, she wanted me gone. Yeah. So I didn't do anything wrong here. But yeah, if you want me to pay off the mortgage, I'll come in and live oh, in the yeah. house. Exactly. Oh, well, I'll start renting it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll find somebody down there. But um, anyway, the guy's being a little bit of a, a, a jerk off. You know, he's, he's clearly trying to outsmart me or something like that. Yeah. And uh, the problem was I had nothing that I needed. You know, I, I was could afford to let the entire thing burn. You know, what yeah. I mean? it, it was that's the best position to be. In. Oh, scorched. If you're earth. spiteful, like how I am spiteful. Mm-hmm. The best position is like, <laughs> I think about that at work all the time. It's like, who the fuck are you talking to? Like, like I don't need this job. Like, exactly. We can do this if you want to do this. <laughs> like, I don't have to be here. That was the when I realized all the everything was going my way because I had nothing to lose and nothing to gain from it. Yeah. So, that's when um, the, the guy gave me a 48-hour uh, deadline. He goes, he goes I'm going to need your answer by this time as to whether or not you're going to accept this money and just be done with it. And I'll, oh, it gives me the douche chills every time I hear it. I remember uh, uh, a hen in the hand is worth two in the bush or something like that. And I just, I was fucking furious when I saw that thing. So now I start doing a background check on this guy. I'm looking him up, trying to figure out what his deal is. I find uh, in the emails, I find um, this guy... His, he has an FSU email address. Okay. So I was like, all right, what's up with that, man? So I searched the guy's name, FSU, and his uh, grad page shows up from, I guess he got his master's or something over at FSU. And uh, I look at it, and sure enough, the fucking guy's picture's on there, his college yearbook picture, and it's the guy from the profile picture. Yes, of course so, it is. Yep, so now she's got uh, this guy pretending to be a lawyer trying to fuck me out of my own house as he's fucking her in my old house. <laughs> it was... <laughs> That's the tag. That's I got, the joke. Oh, dude, I got so fucking angry. Uh, I anyway, I get blackout drunk because then I, I call. Hell my, yeah. my other cousin who's a lawyer. Um, Is he, this the same cousin that that d- did the contract? Yeah. No, different lawyer. I, for some reason, I have a lot of lawyer cousins. You're from Jersey. It's, yeah. 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 The good old Irish, right? But um, <laughs> you're either a lawyer, or you need a lawyer. Pretty much. I, I wish that that wasn't the case either. But so this guy, uh, my cousin Sean's going to get involved now, and he's great. Um, and he pretty much, you know, just. Shoots me a text. He goes, I'm going to get involved. We're good to go. I'll help you out with this. So I was like, fucking finally, man. This is outstanding. I get blackout drunk that night. Um, and I, I don't drink and drive. That's one good thing about me. Yeah. So uh, I, my buddy Nate has to drop me off because I was like blackout drunk at his place almost. So he drops me off and uh, it's raining at the time. And my sister comes out and uh, says, oh, I need you to move your car because I'm, I'm leaving for work before you tomorrow. And uh, so I, I moved my truck, not even thinking. I was blacked out. I had no clue I did it. I did not leave the driveway. I took the front of my dad's truck off. What? I backed into it because I just didn't see it was there or something. So it was my entire Sunday now is just me like crying. Well, you know, apologizing to my dad. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's just, it's just got me so fucked up down there. <laughs> so I felt like a real jerk. I'm on the phone trying to get uh, his truck repaired, figure out what we're going to do. I, is it an accident? I didn't leave you know, the driveway. I don't know what yeah. the hell to, to, to call this thing. So well, the good news is it's the next day. So also true. If the police show up. They could just be like, yeah, like I was backing out. didn't see it. <laughs> that was, uh, it was one of the most shameful moments of my life though. I was very, uh, uh, messed up about that for a little while. Well, that's always a weird spot to be in. Like the, like when you get, like when you, you get fucked up and you do something kind of humiliating in front of your family, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like you said, it's like, I don't really know. Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, do we call the insurance company? Do we not? Like, mm-hmm. do I pay out of my own pot? And then you got to see that person all the time. 
And it's like, hey. luckily, my dad's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, so he's got that. Going. Yeah, that's 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 cool. Because I've done that before. Where I remember one time living at my uh, when I was I had finished school and I was staying at my mom's just for a short while, and like something had happened where I like something terrible had happened, and I won't go into detail, but something terrible had happened, and I was just like, obviously, I was like blackout drunk. Something terrible happened, and I was just like, well, fuck, like. Now I have to live with this like ever. And luckily my mom's cool and she got over it and it was, it was a really shitty thing, but everyone, all parties involved got over it. But it's like for like six months to a year, I was like, I'm a fucking terrible person. Like this is the worst. I'm just going to drink on top of this. Yeah. Then you're uh that's the, uh, the problem drinking starts with that. Yeah. Cause then you're like, I'm so shitty. I'm going to drink. And then it's like, you're shitty cause you're drinking. I'm going to drink some more. Yeah, or it's the the not wanting to be there drinking. That was always the bad thing. Yeah. That was pretty rough. But uh, so I'm hungover as hell. Uh, and so that incident happened on a Saturday night. Uh, I spend all day Sunday trying to figure out what we're going to do about repairing the truck for my dad. I'm super embarrassed. Monday afternoon, I go down to my college class. And um, as I'm leaving, Jeff Zenisek calls me up, my, my good buddy Jeff. And uh, he's Shouts got... Shouts out to Jeff Zenisek. You know, man, Jeff Zenisek. <laughs> oh, my God, that's spot it's... on. Like, just hanging out, man. Figure out, I'm gonna play some tennis with my dad later. But I fucking love him. That's spot on. It's uh, it's one of those things. I can do that voice, but there's no other use for it. So I get to show off for you on the podcast. That's all that talent is gonna ever get me. But uh, so he hits me up, uh, and uh, I'm driving in my truck uh, down the Jersey Shore and uh, heading home. And uh, Jeff calls me up and he goes, "Hey, man, did you uh, did you write to Bill Burr?" And I was like. I had that moment where I was like, oh shit, I did. You know, it's drunken recall kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I did, man. What's going on? He goes, I think he's reading your email on the podcast right now. Oh, so really? Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast Fuck is there. yeah. And he winds up reading my letter in which I pretty much told him the entire situation I was going through and that I just found out that it was the boyfriend that's now faking being a lawyer trying to, you know, God, this cheat is me so serendipitous. Of- I probably heard him read this email. It was uh, it was an exciting um, opportunity. Uh, I still have to, I should probably find the episode and pull the audio just so I can, if I ever decide to put that out. But um, he calls her every name under the sun. It's great. Completely on my side. How could you not be too? Yeah. Though? That's the other thing. And then um, he's tragic. At one point, he actually says, uh, he, goes, he goes, I'm actually so angry right now. I got to walk away from this. And, and uh, he comes back and then finishes up. And then, then he turns into like a whole, just get out there, just start working out more, you know, hit on chicks out of your league, you know, trying to like build me up at the very end of it. But essentially hearing him trash her and be on my side was like six months of therapy for me. Yeah. So anyway, of course, once I hear that, uh, I mean, I remember sitting down with my mom listening to it together and it was like a, a, it was like a warm hug. I was yeah, getting, yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, Bill's the best, man. It was great. It was, uh, it was pretty outstanding. So then I posted up on my Facebook and I think me and her still have mutual friends. So somehow or other, she heard it and found out what went down. And, uh, I remember it's also one of the most popular podcasts in the country. Well, she hated Bill Burr too. That was the other part. She was not a fan of him. Uh, I met him here at the comedy zone actually when he was, uh, he first came through, but it was, uh, so it's crazy. And, uh, he reads the thing. I, I feel, you know, like a huge weight off my chest now. And I post the thing up on uh, the Facebook, and I remember a couple of days go by, and I text her, and I said, "Hey, uh, I'm not going to be dealing with the. I, I don't want to say names because that's a. Yeah. The, I don't want to be dealing with so and so anymore. You know, so I'm going to deal with you. We can still work this out uh, in a civil way." And she goes, uh, "Civil went out the window when you wrote to Bill Burr." <laughs> and I just wrote back, "No, civil went out the window when your new boyfriend is pretending to be a lawyer and threatening me. Like, yeah. like you're you're done with that." So, anyway, uh, I guess she had gotten so angry about that that she finally hired a real lawyer and 
essentially what the lawyer was explaining uh, was, oh, so what, what's happening? He's trying to, he won't let you sell the house? No, no, he wants to sell the house. Oh, but he wants to take more of the, the profit off of it than you? No, no, he wants to split a 50-50. And then the lawyer's like, yeah, uh, sell the fucking house. Oh, uh, okay. That's a, what are you trying to, you, you can't hold this man's That's my favorite. Hostage, when, yeah. And I talked about this with uh, Daisy Tackett. Like when you know you're right, and everyone else around you knows you're right except that one person. And then when they finally realize that they're wrong, you're like, <laughs> fucking yes. Oh, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. So the lawyer was based out of Orlando or something. And uh, she's talking to my cousin, Sean, now who's also a lawyer. Yeah. And he's they work the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're just going to sell the house. You guys split it 50-50. So then she tries one little last piece of, uh, of fuckery where she goes, uh, the, the realtor who she was friends with is saying, Ooh, looks like there's some repairs that need to be done to the house. So, um, we're going to take a, it'll talk, you know, probably like five, $800. So we're going to take that out of your end of the, uh, the, the, the profits. And I said, uh, Oh no, no, no. Just tell me what's wrong with the house. And me and my dad will come down and fix everything, you know? Yeah. And as soon as they even entertained the idea of me coming back into town, all of a sudden it was like, uh, he's actually agreed. Oh shit. I said her name. Um, <laughs> she's agreed to, uh, uh, you know, do the split and she'll pay for the, the repair costs out of her end. So I wind up making 500 more bucks, uh, on the entire deal, uh, than I would have. And the best part is remember, cause I was at one time I was willing to take $6,000 and walk away Yeah. because she dragged her ass so long with the whole process. The house appreciated in value. And yeah. The we, market rebounded. Yep. We each made 15 grand off the thing, but Damn. I got 500 extra because I, you know, got to uh, screw around on that thing. So it's great because um, I don't think her and that guy are together anymore either. I'm pretty sure they split. Well, that's um, good. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of years later, uh, Paul Verzi, who yeah. is, uh, I'm friendly with him. He's a good guy, man. I like Paul. Look at you just it's a- dropping names left and right <laughs> on this podcast. Normally, that's what I do. See? <laughs> well, Verzi's good people. Um, and he was Wait, filming Is Verzi the one that um, uh, I called it, dude? Is that Verzi or is that Joey? Dude, I called it. Yeah, yeah. dude, dude I, called I called it. it. <laughs> dude, I know Bill talks about that all the time. Dude, I called it, man. He is uh, th- my favorite thing they were doing to him was when they were referring to him as New Jersey's owned because he hates New Jersey, so he likes to distance himself from <laughs> yeah. it. So it was great. But um, so no, he uh, he was getting ready to do his special, the one that uh, was bankrolled by Bill Burr and Pete Davidson. Mm-hmm. So he's recording it at the Tarrytown Music Hall, which is like Sleepy Hollow, New York, pretty much. Okay. Um, so my buddy, who's a booker, he got industry seats for it. So he invites me. I go up there with him, and as we're you know getting ready to go stand online. Bill Burr's actually out in front of the place, like shaking people's hands, taking pictures and shit. Yeah. And I had, uh, I'm normally, Buck will agree to this, and most people who know me, I'm cool under fire. Yeah. In terms of like hanging out with people and stuff. So I'm not, typically I don't get too, too excited and I don't. So uh, the opposite of what we talked about last week yeah. with Trevor, with me fanboying out on everybody. <laughs> like I couldn't help, Burr got me. It was weird. My buddy James goes, uh, he goes, I've never heard your voice get that high before. <laughs> I was like, hey, you, you read my email on the show one time. And then he turns did around. Did he remember? Well, he goes, what What did I say? What did I say? And I was like, I started explaining the story to him. And he goes, oh, shit, I kind of remember that. What, what, you know, what was the deal? What was the fallout? And I explained to him. I was like, well, she got so angry about that that uh, she hired a lawyer. And then the lawyer agreed with me. And then we sold the house. And now, uh, you know, I don't have to deal with her anymore. And her boyfriends in the future are not ever allowed to watch Bill Burr. <laughs> so he's like laughing or whatever but it was a weird moment because then he like when he turned and like turned he, you know, he's kind of just like shaking hands you know casual meeting people yeah. public appearance shit and then for him to fix his gaze on me give me his full attention and be waiting for me to finish the story because he genuinely wanted to hear what was going on i was like quaking like it was my first time on stage again yeah. just absolutely freaking out about that but yeah good old bill burr 
uh, winds up helping me settle the whole thing out. So I got to tell him, I was like, dude, you made me $15,000. So That's said, awesome because yeah. she was so mad from him reading the email that mm-hmm. she was like, fuck this. I'm going to go get a lawyer. And the lawyer's like, hey, moron, sell the yeah. house. No, it was awesome. And then uh, again, I'm just like a little kid when I'm sitting there talking to him. Yeah. The idea that that many years later I got to, you know, it's a weird connection. Because he's a guy that's like, I mean, when I first got into him, he was already like, one of the biggest names in the country. Yeah. Now he's like a household name pretty much. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it was, it's been very cool. That guy I'm freaked out by. That's not like sometimes you have friends that move on or, or the, a project takes off for them or they get on TV or something. But Bill Burr was always Bill Burr to me. So that was, yeah, that, that was my awesome. fucking spaz out moment for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, um, cause Bill Burr is definitely one of my favorites. Um, and he always has been. And it's, that's the whole reason we went to the Garden of Laughs thing was because Savannah was looking up Bill Burr tour dates (laughs) and that's when she found that. And she's like, oh, we'll make a whole trip out of it. And there's a lot of other headliners on this show, but it was Bill Burr was the whole reason we went up there. That was the whole reason I fell in love with the city. And I was like, oh, let's, we're totally going to move. Like it's, look at him. He's got his hands in a lot of different pots. He does. Also when he was living, because when they were filming that King of Staten Island movie, um, he was living Somewhere on like the lower west side, I want to say, but he was doing time at like uh, clubs, like yeah. like just drop in kind of a thing. So it was very cool to just uh, all of a sudden see a friend of yours have a picture uh, of him up on stage at like a club. You're like, man, I, Bill Burr's at that place. I yeah. like it's a taco place, dude. This, <laughs> what the hell, man? Damn. Well, that's awesome, man. That's a, a fucking great story to end it on. Oh, uh, it's a. If only I had to, you know. I got to live it, buddy. That was yeah, a wild one. Well, it's always weird when you're in those situations because I've got, and I'm sure you're the same way, but I've got like stories that I'll tell either on stage or on the podcast and people are like, oh, that's crazy. Like, that's so funny. And it's like, well, when I was in it, I honestly thought I was like going to die. Like yep. it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest. I honestly thought I was going to like murder like six people. That was uh there was a cousin that offered me, he goes, do you want me to stop by and fix the house for you? <laughs> like, no, dude. <laughs> do you want me to stop by and fix the house? Oh, he meant the repairs, though, obviously. Yes, yeah, the definitely the repairs. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for joining me oh, this, this was afternoon. Fun, buddy. Uh, plug everything one more time. Your podcast, uh, anything you got coming up? Check out American Loser Podcast, guys. I uh, put out uh, new episodes every Tuesday. I got the Patreon. If you really like it, they do the uh, the deeper dives. It's uh, $5. That's always You get a bonus exclusive episode at the end of every month. So the same price of a large cold brew from Dunkin' Donuts. I'll give you an hour, hour and a half, you know, weird, obscure comedy lesson. Or history lesson, I should say. Um, but yeah, that's uh, American Loser. That's the dream project right now. That's the the passion yeah. is all there. And uh, yeah, I mean, people can hit me up. But it's at KB Burke Sucks over on Instagram. That's <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I owned that before uh, anybody else had a chance to. And then uh, I would plug dates, man, but there's almost nothing going on. We got I got Veterans Brewing, and I think I'm at Jackie Knights in February. All right, so. beautiful. Uh, again, Brennan T. Comedy on all social media. Been that way since 2009, nice. baby. Um, check out the website, brennantcomedy.com. I've got upcoming dates. I'll be in Georgia this weekend, um, and then dates all around Florida uh, the rest of the month. I think I've got – oh. Big drag show on the 22nd of January. Now we're talking. Comedians and drag. You're on that show. I am. I've, I I agreed to that not knowing that I was going to be in drag. Yeah. So <laughs> come check out me and KP. Justice Pub. Um, Crespo will be there as well. Uh, that is January 22nd. That's a Friday. Comedians in drag doing comedy. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. Again, subscribe, rate, review, five stars for the podcast. And we will talk to you all next week. Peace.